0: Do you know the game multiverses? It's like Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, Dollar General Super Smash Brothers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh Well It's is that um is it like the Warner Brothers one? I think so, because you can play this is the Nickelodeon one and then there's the Warner Brothers. Yeah, multiverses.
0: Yeah, it's WB. You can play as like batman steven universe we live in such a we live in the time tom and jerry adventure time yeah shaggy for well that's why i that's what i wanted to mention today because there was an article from it was earlier this month that i was reading but it's something that stuck out in my mind which is that they nerfed you can play velma from scooby-doo um, Hell yeah, strongest And uh, Velma um, She, amongst many of her ta- Attacks, she can um, uh, She can hit people with Math um, It's hard to explain the physics of that one, but it's, it's a thing I promise she uses a calculator and hurts people with Math, she has like a laser pointer I what hurts me um, she, uh, uh, and then she used to have a special attack where she basically just, she literally would just call the cops on you and a cop car would come <laughs> <laughs> and run into you. But, um, what? She's the, a fucking
1: snitch, what the hell?
0: The woke, the woke cut WB has nerfed Velma and taken away the most powerful, uh, the, the greatest power a white woman has, um, which is her ability to call the police on anyone that she doesn't like. Um, and I just personally think that's really fucking funny. One, that she could do that in the first place. (laughs) So,
1: so they removed her police attack.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They, they nerfed, they nerfed. Velma is actually very strong. Apparently it's an article in waypoint by, uh, uh, Renata price to uh, give credit where credit is due. Um, but yeah, um, Velma is really strong and as, as it actually turns out, um, it truly, it truly is the greatest power a white woman can have is calling the cops. Uh, so they had to nerf it. Um, and you know, that's just wow. like the uh, the the cucked woke uh, liberal media, um, that's trying to slander good citizens for um, their uh, bravely standing up to families having barbecues, um, that's to right. people. Uh, walking down the sidewalk while committing the crime of being black or bird literally bird watching in a park <laughs> or, oh yeah that's a real menace though. Or just
1: daring to be alive uh yeah, ever right. in any situation uh there is only death And when I see something that's not death, it fills me with a deep rage and I need to call the death number to make death occur, right? Yeah, I Um, need,
0: uh, I need, I need to feel, uh, I need my anxiety uh, to be eased and the world to be made at peace again. So please make this person who
1: looks a certain way that makes me uncomfortable go away, law enforcement. Uh, That's right. mm -hmm. It's the only way um, that I will feel safe and comfortable and valid. You know, yeah, that's it's really like
0: that's what girl bossing really is about right is about validity you are va- you're valid in um your uh, weaponizing of state apparatuses against marginalized people you're you're valid in liquid liquidating your workforce and ingratiating your own wealth. It's just girl bossing.
1: It's just girl bossing.
0: Velma is Uh, girl bossing. They really shouldn't have done that to Velma in the first place, to be honest. She doesn't seem like a snitch to me. She's got, like... No, she's cool. She's down, you know? Yeah, she's got, like, you know, disruptive programmer vibes. I need Scott from NerdSync to... I don't know if Scott listens to this, but uh, my Twitter buddy... Scott. Um, you listen to this, and the literal, literal the the big, the an uh, actual authority on Scooby Doo, um, uh, an authority
1: w- on Scooby Doo. Now yeah. that's,
0: I that's a little highfalutin for us. Scott has more YouTube subscribers than either one of us can imagine in our minds, <laughs> and through,
1: through, and, it, and through, is this largely based on his Scooby Doo? It's a big part of it. It's a big part of knowledge. It. That is. I'm intimidated. I don't think I ever have been intimidated before by someone's credentials, but yeah. that holy shit. Yeah, it's so I intense. Mean, I, I guess we would need to bring this up with him, but I feel like Velma is where Shaggy gets his shit, you know? Right. That's always been how I felt about it. I feel like she low key has the real the real line on things, you know? Yeah, I mean it you know what has
0: Shaggy gotten for himself over the past fifty years or you know however long however okay. long now. Um, instead, relying on his uh more sort of competent coworkers,
1: yeah, and you know what, that's fine. Mm. He's you know he's the Beastmaster. He uh he uh, has a connection with their sort of canine enforcer that they sick on anyone who gives them trouble. Um, <laughs> he's meant to be like a great dane or something, right? Like Scooby Doo is yeah. huge, yeah. Like this, this is a frightening animal that uh the the strange lanky uh, stoner appears to have you know quite a, a, a uh, what do you call it a rapport with uh, and that's why they keep him around <laughs> Scooby would never call the cops never <laughs> he fucking solve problems himself you know what I'm saying well, I'm calling uh, your music at your barbecue is too round <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> officer <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, see he would never do that. No, not ever.
0: no. He would never do that. That is No. No. That's just not the whole sort of, you know, mystery machine vibe. I mean, like what Myster- like they're they're the holders of the mysteries in the first place, you know. That's true. It's important Scooby-Doo lore that we're doing.
1: Uh Important Scooby-Doo lore. I used to to watch pivot Scooby-Doo. completely uh, away from Scooby-Doo have you ever had a hot dentist before Kyle? have you ever experienced that? <laughs> yeah it's not good yeah, no, it's, it's not, not good, good when that happens It's not. no good. I just had like three fillings put in in one go first yeah. of all my teeth got mm, fucked up mm, these past few years not highly. good well, yeah. so that was a long sesh Yeah, and uh it's not cool I don't, so alright first thing uh, I'm running for office. Uh, if you're too hot, you can't be a dentist. Sorry. <laughs> can't. I don't, I mean, I do make the rules. That's the premise of this. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But I will also be enforcing them. Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Marks. it's just not an appropriate environment to be hot in and you should know better <laughs> we will call the cops on you in multiverses velma style we will yeah. call the cops if you're too we will get in the
0: video game and call the police on you if you're too good looking yeah i've had ai had a hot dentist it, probably the most intense dental appointment of my adult life i had to go to a lot of dentists Appointments as a kid. Um, yeah, my dad, thankfully, as a firefighter, had state insurance. So, yo, nice. Um, you're going to the dentist. It was like a bit, it was very important to use the insurance because we were very lucky to have it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but a few years ago, I had to get, I think it was like four fillings all at once. Um, goddamn, yeah. Uh, one of them, they thought it was going to be a root canal, and it didn't turn out to being B, which is good. Um, a but dub. yeah, the dentist was really hot, and he made me really uncomfortable. He was also really nice. Um, this is my father in
1: law's dentist. Um, oh man, it's. Well, actually, I was about to say it's even worse when they're really nice. That was a problem I had. But it would be way worse <laughs> if they were mean. Fuck. <laughs> There's no winning here. You got to get him out of the industry. Get a new job. <laughs> Mm. I'm sure you can do something with all that education. Yeah. You get out of the get out of the tooth zone. It's too. You're not allowed to stick your fucking finger in my <laughs> mouth.
0: It's two very distinct, <laughs> distinctly similar yet different experiences to have. Someone be nice to you and stick their hands in their in your mouth, while someone being mean to you and stick their hands in their mouth. Uh, yeah. Neither one
1: is is the suck. I don't need that shit when I'm the, getting a filling. Yeah. Right? Neither are valid. Is
0: the point that we're trying to
1: make. Um, yeah. Fuck, even filling is too suggestive. This whole fucking industry has to go. We don't do dentistry anymore. All right. You let that, you rip that shit out with pliers. It's done. Yeah. We're doing the Civil War style now, baby. We're going to be doing a lot of things Civil War style from here on out. So this, get used to it. This is the first of many.
0: I got a, I read a book about, uh, that I think, like, a lot of people should... It's been a while since i read it, but the historian died recently, which is a shame. Uh, He was a really cool guy. But uh, it's called... um, I want to make sure I get the subtitle right. It's called Confederates in the Attic. Mm -hmm. And this... uh, I really admire the way that he... um, Did it win the Pulitzer? Tony Horowitz was his name. Um, He basically embedded himself with, like... He basically did sort of like a, a contemporary oh yeah dispatches from the unfinished civil war brilliant subtitle and it did win the pulitzer um i read this in undergrad. he like embedded himself with civil like really hardcore civil war reenactors um oh hell yeah uh and like <laughs> those guys would they would like make hard do you know heart what hard tech is oh Buddy, I know what hard tack yeah, is. Yeah, just make a shake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for the listeners, there's a basically in the oh god, you know, I don't it's remember. It's what they
1: eat in the Wheel of Time <laughs> when they're it's, traversing their many woods.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, it's a it's a cracker, and that's why I know what it is. <laughs> it, it's just it's it's just a it's just a fucking cracker, and like. Naval people would use it, and the fr- fucking frontier people would use it, and particularly Confederate war soldiers, revolutionary ones too, but particularly Confederate ones used it as well. There just wasn't a lot of food. And it's like eating, it's like an edible rock. It, it's, it's its flour. That's right. And water and salt. And I think, end of list, there might be another ingredient
1: um i i feel like the salt is an if you're lucky kind of thing uh agab is being uh uh is going to be sponsored
0: by hardtack from here on out that's just uh because we're we're going civil war um so this is this is a uh, this is a hardtack podcast um hardtack for (laughs) states rights
1: (laughs) hardtack for states rights States' rights to what? Uh, have hard tack. No further questions. <laughs> Buy it.
0: Yeah. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't worry about it.
1: Don't ask. You know what? Don't even sweat it. All right. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put hard tack in multiverses. All the. All the casts of multiverses. <laughs> That's Velma gonna be overpowered. And. Yeah, and Shaggy, and Superman, and. Um Finn the dog can sit down. Uh and yeah, talk about all their friends who died the other day. Because that a civil war pastime talking about all the people you used to know who are alive who are dead now because it's a civil war.
1: Yeah, and like what else are you gonna talk about? You got no fucking video games. Mm -hmm. Folks it's a video game podcast. Speaking speaking of video games, okay, have you been what have you been playing? Oh well, actually, um, I only play video games that are published by uh, Donkey's new publisher, Bigmo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, he only publishes good games, is the thing, as per his uh, manifesto. <laughs> and he uh, does not publish the bad games, which is sort of one of those hot new ideas that I think is really going to revolutionize the industry. Um, what What do you make of that? What well, do you what do you make of of a YouTuber attempting to create uh, or facilitate the creation of something of substance that feels antithetical to the whole concept? I like to think that there is a certain amount of
0: use. In the sort of outside, I'm attempting an earnest answer here, by the way. Uh, There's a certain amount of use in the out, in the, in the sort of exterior perspective. Um, It's the same perspective Mm -hmm. that I have. I don't, I don't have like millions and millions of views on YouTube, of course, but at the same. No, you do. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, yes, I, that's true. Um, (laughs) YouTube's been trying to cancel me by changing my numbers. Um, There's actually several zeros on the end of all of those videos. That's right. Um, <laughs> They're trying to silence truth. <laughs> Again. Um but uh, uh I don't know. I I I guess I would have I have the concerns that I imagine if I had been more diligent and sought out that other people would have which is something along the lines of what are the what what's the in 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 production of video games what's the particular sort of base skill sets that you need in order to sort of like what's the kind of sort of like industry business acumen that donkey's gonna bring uh, to his particular to his uh publishing company um
1: you know it could be great <laughs> I mean or... <laughs> I suppose it could it Everything that he says in his, his his launch video is so like hubristic that it's very easy to dunk on. But on well, the other yeah, hand, yeah, because
0: you know you didn't discover Hollow Knight, Donkey. I'm sorry, man. Like, yeah, I was talking about all these really you know great independent games, like, and then names the biggest indie games of the past. Yeah, they're 10 all huge years. hits before Hades? he
1: <laughs> made a video about them. Like, yeah, Hades. Like, I I think they would be fine without you, bud. Yeah. But um, that said for perhaps a much smaller game you know the however many millions of people that frequently you know his videos get put in front of i mean that's an asset you're like yeah i'm gonna you know i'll publish a game and i'll make a video about it and then you know x amount of people is guaranteed to fucking see it like that's yeah that's something um i i don't know uh publishers I don't respect very many publishers at all. uh, So I'm not really down with a lot of the people who are like, oh, he's demeaning the important hard work we do. It's like, you're the money dogs. All right, (laughs) shut up. Um, And he can do that. He can be a little, little money hog, throw money at at people who actually know how to fucking make something of, of worth. That's fine. Um, I think there's a chance that he might just pull it off. I don't, I don't think it's as hard as people think. Provided you have access to the resources that he does. Yeah, just that's the whole the, premise. That's the thing. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna take. I mean, it's all learnable
0: stuff. If it, it, it's if it's yeah. business side of stuff, it's all learnable stuff. I mean, as as you know, game development is, but it's just, you know, it. I think, hey, I think actually, it's not we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it plays out yeah yeah hub- hubristic is a, is a good uh is a good description of the launch video however i love it <laughs> i think uh i think at the end of the day if someone can figure out a way to more directly connect independent production to the sort of content mill world or whatever, then that would ultimately be, that could, that could be a good thing. And now, you know, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, well, just like, like, how is YouTube going to suck that up uh, or how, how is, how are, you know, sort of social media platforms, video platforms going to figure out a way to sort of stick themselves back on top of that whole apparatus or whatever. But at, but at the same time, it's not, it's not, an illogical conclusion of, you know, covering video games for a long time. I just think it's, you know, probably a probably a tough gig. I don't know.
1: You know, speaking of uh speaking of getting outside perspective on the industry, I now have proof of Jeremy Corbyn playing at least one video game. <laughs> he, he was he was seen. Uh, he was seen playing the arcade cabinet version of Thatcher's Tech Base, the wonderful <laughs> Doom 2 mod that I recommend to anyone. It's very good. Local uh, sort of reporters say that he was playing it Maoistly, which, uh, <laughs> you know, he's been been known to do. And uh, we got to get him on the pod. Jeremy Corbyn, come on the pod. Um, we need. I think he's the guy we need to figure out what to do with this fucked up industry. I think he's I think he can sort it out. I think he'll be very knowledgeable and not uh you know like a 70-year-old man at all. And I think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll
0: uh, um just as he was trying to do um when he was um running for leadership in his own party, I think he will bring the la- the mass line to the gaming industry. Um, <laughs> correct. Precisely his goals, all along. You see how Mm -hmm. he rides a bike and wears a coat. You've seen how he rides a bike, my god. (laughs) He gardens, you know what that means. You know what that means. You know what that means. That's just like, you know, you know who else gardened?
1: Pol Pot. Boom, that's what's up, folks. The truth is out there. (laughs) Gaming... (laughs) anti-semitically that's what this podcast is about (laughs) so jeremy corbin should come on yes jeremy
0: (laughs) jeremy jeremy corbin needs to explain um the anti-semitic
1: way that he stood next to that arcade cabinet um I do have some questions about what he was doing with his hand there, actually. (laughs) That one picture, what the fuck? uh, I don't know. You always always stand like that? What's What's my man?
0: It's like he has his arm around it.
1: Yeah, I Um, think that he's maybe just never interacted with such a device before and was not sure how to be in its presence.
0: I know exactly how Jeremy Corbyn reacts to an arcade cabinet, though. Just, you know, oh, that seems nice. <laughs> that one that yeah. this one this one probably pleased him slightly more than other ones, I for reasons
1: unknown, um, probably he's like, well, I'm not fucking <laughs> no chance of fucking uh you know running for office now, so fuck it, fuck yeah. that church <laughs> I've long said he should just be like mean to everyone now, fuck it, who cares? he got yeah. nothing to lose, isn't he fuck he, your he, starmer a little bitch boy <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, I, I think he I think he
0: deserves it after you know you know le- like the social democrat can can do that when he gets dragged by the the mo- one of the most evil apparatuses in the history of human civilization the british press yeah um, deeply just,
1: deeply evil shit
0: yeah poison just poison through and through <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> the, the british press is it's it's I I feel that it's worse than the American one in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think a big part of what makes it so much worse is how many British people are very very sure that the opposite is true. You know, <laughs> <laughs> a shitty press that most people think is dog shit isn't really that harmful. It's when everyone's like, no, this is really good and even handed. It's when that's when you get trouble. Yeah, I guess
0: it has a unique. Uh, um I getting a I'm getting canvassed by text message what, what, the should hell? I, what should I say to them what should I say who was the Kyle it's Charlie Crist, Democratic nominee for governor of Florida this has been a dark week for Florida we know we know Charlie God Charlie Crist. he's gonna get he's gonna get obliterated in Florida in Florida terms it could still be like in other states in in yeah. but no he's gonna He's the guy who used to, he was, he has been the governor of Florida before, but he was a Republican. Um, Right. Then he um, ran a shitty Senate campaign as an independent. Um, And then now, and then he ran for Congress as a Democrat. Um, And He's just trying them all out, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And now he's the nominee for governor Um, and he's going to lose.
1: Um, I think if I had won as a specific party, I would probably keep doing that. You know, know. that's just me. But, like, that makes sense. Not to win and then be like, I'm going to try doing the other party now. Uh, Yeah, you know. There's, um... Uh, I don't need to get into the ins and outs of Florida politics, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, it might seem harsh to some viewers, but I think everyone involved in this story should die you know yeah
0: uh i think they're all dumb as a bag of hammers i think they're all evil as shit um and as we know that's a really useful and good combination for bi- having a good deal of political power um
1: that's true and florida, florida is suck. really notorious for local politics just being like really cool and nothing bad happening super that normal for that florida politics has definitely been getting better you know
0: Since the halcyon years of the Republican trifecta under Bush Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: our, uh, current Republican trifecta under our, I don't live there anymore, uh, under, uh, Ronnie the rat. Yeah. Ronnie the rat.
1: He sucks. He's such a fucking New York asshole. I hate him so much. I mean, someone named Ronnie the rat's not going to be likable. His parents should not have done that to him. They set him up. <laughs> no. They set yeah, him that, up
0: for real. Yeah, that wasn't fair.
1: <laughs> you know, this is actually the first time uh, we've recorded, I believe, since uh, I I came to realize that you were taller than me. Um, So there's a very, there's a different dynamic on the pod now. <laughs> yeah, Everything I, is different can, now. Can everyone tell? Can you tell that there is a shift? i mean yeah i so a few things i've become aware of now is that your cat is massive he's not massive he is big no he's that's a a large cat he's a good size yeah that that's that's a prestigious cat (laughs) in terms of mass uh is something i now know um because I previously had thought you were sort of a regular sized human. Uh and therefore, you know, the size of the cat in comparison was not so impressive, but now I understand that you've got sort of a titan situation developing in your home. <laughs>
0: yeah, now I'm, I'm a big tall guy. Uh I got big I got big long arms. Uh and uh yeah, that's uh the the power shift like I like to think that we've handled all of this with a great deal amount of dignity. Um you know, personally. Um and th- that it hasn't it hasn't affected our friendship or anything. Um but No, it's could, just th- been a
1: bit of an adjustment period for me because yeah. I'm not normally the beta in a group, <laughs> you know <laughs> So I've been I've been really uh you know I've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty. I've been studying Jerry's <laughs> behavior and trying mm. to figure out the new me. Mm. um what was truly shocking actually was that uh john Litcrit is also fucking taller than me what the fuck <laughs> is going on i don't i don't mean this in, in in a mean way at all but he gives he gives off the energy of a smaller gentleman i think i think he's a very uh comfortable calming presence uh he's not allowed to be that large that's not that's not acceptable behavior, and uh, you know we're gonna have words about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we worked all of this
0: out when when I was in the UK. It all we worked it all out in the arena. We fought um, as is custom um, yep. gladiatorial combat. When there's a when there's a vibe shift, you have to participate in gladiatorial combat, um, and I think we all worked out all of our issues.
1: Um, yeah, in, I mean, in the, in the arena, the only thing that has saved me from an immense loss of face in this situation is that I have close ties to Skittles, which does afford me a lot of geopolitical power. um, oh, much it's kind more of than the only thing. Modes. Yeah, it's the only thing keeping the balance here. Because um, <laughs> if not for that, I mean, the height thing—that would have really—that would have been an issue. But instead, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah,
0: one <laughs> one tube shaped global <laughs> dictator versus two uh failed academics um who uh crisp up in the sun um (laughs) that's the one thing that's our that's not to reveal mine and john's weakness on the podcast but all you have to do is just keep us out in the sun for too long and
1: we both die immediately i mean neither of you can be defined as failed you both have podcasts okay (laughs) that's kind of Kind of kings of the mountain. This is my academy, of course. <laughs> this is my
0: academy. Where we spent We 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 spent the first twenty minutes talking about Scooby Doo. Uh-huh.
1: Uh- <laughs> Every episode of AGAB is peer reviewed, by the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and our peers, dear listener, that's you. You're <laughs> reviewing it right now. That's right. Thank
0: you. We know, we and we hear all of your thoughts um and especially know, that
1: one please stop thinking yeah, yeah that please stop thinking disgusting.
0: that and uh but we know respect? that we know the podcast is an 11 out of 10 um a, a 1,917 sickles out of 1,917
1: um and uh i'll just say you're welcome for hearing that that's right <laughs> Mm-hmm. And honestly, we don't tell them they're welcome often enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, gamers, ne- gamers
0: need that, you know. And you know, it's on us for not providing that for them.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they, <laughs> they need that kind of positive reinforcement. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the that's the jocularity that no one pays for
0: on this show. Yeah, you're all very welcome.
1: Um would you like to talk about not just a singular video game but a um a a genre of video game but it, they are all really made by the same company so it's kind of weird it's just just these guys make this and we all have to live with it who who are these guys who are these guys who are they so these guys i believe i believe these guys are swedish um which is their first crime but we're there. There are many crimes that we will be discussing throughout the course of this episode. Uh, we're talking about Paradox Interactive.
0: Can't stop now. I've got to win the
1: war for the Nazis. Am I enjoying this? Don't know anymore. Doesn't matter. So Paradox makes map games. Um, they are really boring. But <laughs> I have probably put. Some hundreds of hours into them anyway. But I, I have played a fair bit of Europa 4 and Victoria 2. And I think I played a little bit of Hearts of Iron 4. I've never really got into Crusader Kings as much. Because I'm just not as enticed by inbreeding as some people. They got You gotta which is get fine.
0: the incest right. It's the medieval you, game. You gotta, you gotta get, get that incest the just right. incest right.
1: <laughs> you know, that's yeah. very important. I think it's also a period that is less interesting to me. And really, these games are about living out your fantasies where what if the country you liked won instead of everything being awful forever? And that's, that's really what these games sell you on. What if there could be a good thing or at least kind of a funny thing? Like what if Ireland took over Europe? And you know what? It would be better for it.
0: Yeah, I, I I have also committed myself to the building of a better world. Uh and by that I o and any context when I say that I always mean in a video game, as we all know. Yeah. Um and <laughs> uh uh speaking of large cats, he's here. Um you rang, he says. <laughs> now he's in a drawer. Otis. Thank you. What a
1: fucking what a king.
0: <laughs> yeah, he just kind of rules uh uh, he looks down on us from perches in various places around the house. It's a true story. Hell yeah. Um Hell yeah. Yeah, you're a good boy. Be nice to the dog. Um <laughs> oh yeah, I have I have uh, I have lived out many fantasies in Paradox games, including Hearts of Iron, Hearts of Iron Three, now Hearts of Iron Four, CK Two. CK two was the one that I had played the most actually for a long time. Um and recently very recently actually ck3 um friends of the show who uh, uh ck3 was actually a gift and friends of the show who i think might listen um who knows who they are i just want to say you're great and thank you again as always and i hope you're doing well um see am i gracious or what um, don't don't buy him video games don't enable him <laughs> it's too late it's too late i already got it someone did something nice and i've gotten to kind of pluck away at that game for a while now and it has brought me lots of joy um uh but uh i've uh i've dug a decent amount into all of those as well as into i'm sure something if, if if people are fans of this podcast and also fans of paradox games something that they would be interested in hearing our takes on, which is the Kaiserreich mod for Hearts of Iron. Um, oh, yes. The, the alternative timeline for World War One, which I think has a lot of interesting things to say. Um, I, uh, um, I'm i getting distracted by this cat who is still in this drawer. Otis, what are you doing? Crawling. Okay. okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> He's... They choose to do this one. When I start talking, they get excited, so they start doing things. Um, <laughs> no, as well as, uh, uh, I mean, Paradox has gone out of alternative historical timelines and into space with
1: Stellaris, and uh, which I've played as well. Um, oh, yeah. yeah you know what? I think, I think Stellaris might be my favorite of their games. Um, it's choice. really good. I I think that to me I get a limited amount of uh excitement out of the historic alt history reenactment where it's like what if the Austria Hungarian Empire won, uh you know some people go mad for that shit but I'm just I'd rather be little freaky rock people in space that uh, that that that's a little more it's a little more my speed.
0: <laughs> I get the appeal of both mediums, mostly because I find them they're more, they, sh- they they have more in common with one another. This sort of like historical, like alternative history and mm-hmm. science fiction. Then I think people would maybe give them credit for particularly considering these games, sort of the in-game, the, the in-game relationship to technology and the change in technology and when technology is produced and what it's related, the relationships that, it has the technology are inherently fixed because it's a video game. So when you get a thing, that means you get other things or can't yeah. do things. Um, and that's in the same way, sort of like, I mean, it, that, that that's similar to the way that things work in real life. But the problem is that it lacks an ability to sort of further art. You're always limited by the game's emphasis on world building as a, you know the 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 form of grand strategy yeah. itself um it's it's all it's always about sort of like you can't you you can't ha- you can't find or fixate on a larger goal than expansionism which like is fun in its own sort of way in 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 the same way that like a game like risk yeah. can be fun um especially when you're playing against other people um uh, particularly when the artificial intelligence and the variability of what can happen when you say turn off the historical AI um, on these games um, can come up with a lot of really sort of like, there's a lot of really interesting outcomes that can happen. Um, I'm currently in a playthrough of CK3 where the Holy Roman Empire is just Europe now. Um, (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) And what's really funny is how, uh, you know, now that is result that expansionist, project has resulted in just these constant sort of proxy and smaller conflicts operating on the borders of this gigantic empire, which has never happened to any kind of Roman empire before mm-hmm. in the past. Um, so I'll be interested to see what the particular outcomes of my expansionist um, uh, continent wide Roman empire happens. Cause again, there's nothing like his- that's nothing like history. That's a brand new thing. I um, think,
1: I like the, the through line you've kind of drawn here of like uh, planner brain kind of like economist brain almost approaches to history mm. um, where you're really just looking at like grain inputs, uh, fucking uh, metal or steel or oil or coal uh, versus, you know, uh, consumption by your military. <laughs> um, and it's it really feels like a game that's for a type of historian that I feel like we don't really make anymore. I feel like whenever you are reading like world war two history or something, and it's, it's taking that approach where it's, it's really just looking at like supply lines and shit. Um, I feel like those guys are all like 60 plus now. I feel like you don't get a lot of, new people on the scene who are approaching history in that way. I feel like that was an era of guy. And I don't know that we have so many of them anymore. Yeah. Not even really in my, at least in some of the stuff that
0: I've read recently, not even military historians are approaching military history in that kind of yeah, way. Anymore. It's shit. It reminds me a lot. Yeah. It's just not, like, it has, I, I had to read this book in college. I took classes on world wars one and two um, and I had to read a book for a class for World War II by a historian from, I think he, I don't know if he's still alive. He was pretty old even then. Um, his name's Gerhard Weinberg, wrote a book mm-hmm. called a, a World at Arms, I think is what it's called. I um, mean, it was this sort of very, it's an encyclopedic in size, um, this really gigantic book that was really dense and had all of this sort of like military history in it. But what I found most useful about it was what came after um, in my theoretical coursework that started to examine our turns away from certain types of certain ways of reading and writing history um, and how the foundation of the history seminar is like this German imperial history. But no, the the development in the social theoretical models of history have like changed so much since, and that's the, that's, you know, Leopold von Ranke in the 19th century. And then immediately in the 20th century, we started to see, you know, that was the sort of like the primary advent of forms of Marxist historical analysis and the rise of social history as a useful methodology, which doesn't foreclose opportunities to talk about conflict history in history and war in history, of course not, but that has a new, that creates a new language for examining social phenomena and the particular boundaries around that social phenomena and its functions. And then what happens after that is a critique of that in the form of a new cultural history that borrows from anthropology and literary criticism and creates in uh, literary theory um, and created a whole sort of mechanism for critiquing the functions of those very institutions themselves. That's a especially Foucaultian take, but he was probably the most influential in that sort of cultural turn in history. So now, instead of just sort of like, watching the pieces within the social apparatuses, sort of taking the nation as a, as a given like coherent social category rather than a contingent social category. Then we move toward a closer examination of the process of socialization. Then we move to the production and examination of culture. And then we are suddenly critiquing these institutions. And this is like the night, this is the 1980s <laughs> we've, we've yeah. made it to the 1980s. So history as a discipline that's disappearing in my country in a lot of ways, but that is constantly proving itself relevant in its ability to sort of bring into line and bring into question the particular sort of uh, contingent functions of the very stuff that you just kind of have complete control of in, um, in a paradox game. Uh, I think that's just like, I, I think the basic path of historiography shows that like the, why, why the only way to, I think, truly approach these games with any measure of like rational, not any measure of rationality, but with like a, with with a good head on your shoulders is understanding that it's as close to science fiction as it is the history. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I think sci- I'm one of those weirdos that's just like, yeah, science fiction is also useful for history. But in ways that are different than is when you look at something like this and you're someone who doesn't, you know, sit around reading historiography all of the time, you go, ah, this is the sort of, uh, this is the dry uh, militarist kind of economism that I expect from the serious, this is probably what history people or whatever like and are interested in. And it's like, well, scholarship is is... this is history to a lot of people and it's like no this is fiction um it's yeah. useful but it's fiction
1: yeah and it's I, I don't know i guess like if i thought this was what history was i wouldn't ever be interested in it it's just it just seems like such a a hollowed out sort of boring way to think about some of the most like tumultuous and and fascinating periods in human history you know what i mean um and I, I guess I'm just thinking about how there's like there's this type of guy who's going extinct who's mostly like a grandfather now who reads these kinds of books um, and is very into it. And uh, that type of guy instead is going to be uh, a, a weird aging uh, gamer who plays Paradox Games still and is like, you know, this is actually how the Germans could have won World War Two. Watch this. <laughs> there's a certain kind of YouTuber who behaves this way, too. Yes. And would you believe that their politics skew a particular direction (laughs) with incredible consistency? A lot of a lot of them have over the
0: past five or six years been having, like, very startling realizations about the national question. (laughs) <laughs> um, that would surprise everybody that no one was like oh you clearly <laughs> <laughs> you'll never believe this click here you sympathize with the German imperial cause that's why you're really interested in the transition from the 19th to the 20th century let's let's be you like European history that way let's be
1: honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, but you know on the flip side in these games you can also make everyone communist and be like oh what if what if good things happened instead of bad things happened, and you can cry and, and look at the cool map you've made? And isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it's nice to
0: <laughs> you know have you know a, a contingent of syndicalists take over a European country, or to you know sort of explore this like. But it's a you know, Kaiserreich is a novel uh, for like it's it's a it's an interactive interface with an historical skin um which can be enjoyable but at the end of the day the production of history itself is something that's much more significant than can be probably captured in that particular framework just because of yeah. its reliance and adherence to the logic of strategy games which are you know it's you know you know elimination and territorial conquest and you know stuff like that I mean, like which you know sure in, in a certain sort of like larpy kind of historical context sense like i mean i guess eu4 like <laughs> you know in its in its expansionist and like colonial historical context as well as sort of i guess it i guess it manages to actually kind of use that framework um in a way but it offers like i don't i don't know it, I, I think it I think it's it's a skin on a
1: strategy game. That's
0: about as far as it gets. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and in a way, by choosing to, you know, make the basis of a given strategy game these you know real world historical periods, you open you open up this Pandora's box, and I think you find yourself really limited by the form itself, right? Like um, I mentioned this to you earlier. Uh, We was playing one game with someone else where we were. Playing as uh, like native North American tribes trying to sort of get into a position where we could fend off European uh, colonizers at the point in the game when they start showing up. And you find pretty quickly that the technological progress in that game is based on Western European progress, and you have to go, you have to, it's literally called Westernize in the game. In order to continue to a point where, you know, you could possibly be relevant in the game. So it, it's it's a game where, you know, you can take over Europe as the fucking papal states, but there's certain things that are just built in to the logic. Like, no, you have to... The Western technological trajectory is the only one that exists, Um and there's these certain ways of interacting with other nations and certain ways that the nation itself operates. And all of these are kind of baked in as assumptions on how it has to work because that's how these kinds of games work. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's almost the illusion of alternative history, but it's not really because there's these logics that you that have to stay. And they're based on actual history, sort of. or you know Even when they try and... They
0: try and iron that out sometimes in expansions and stuff like that and sort of give yeah. a, you know, and, and try and try and try and be less limited to sort of like the, the there's a big centrality in the Republican model in certain ways that in, in, with certain countries that you play mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, can, can kind of read as this sort of defaulting to a mean that like i would like to see uh, challenged in some way. There's a lot of stuff. I think, I think what's most useful about what we're doing here now is that this is all challengeable and actionable. You know, I don't know how many fucking actual devs listen to our podcast, but in a second earnest moment, a record for me on this show. um, Just kidding. I'm, I'm nice. Uh, um, (laughs) I I think these are all challengeable and actionable ideas, right? That they're, like, hmm, like, yeah. History is, like, we're not up to, at the very least. This is a, this is a sort of stasis in our view on history. Yeah. And that, what's actually much more interesting is it's and it, like, and I know that this is a difference between personal memory and historical memory. Um, that I don't think there's any memory scholars here who are going to get on my particular case, but if there are, better uh, not <laughs> back off, nerds. <laughs> no, j- just recognize that I understand that distinction, but. I think memory itself is something that's much more interesting when trying to apply history to a game. And I think something like before your eyes, which yeah, has it sort of like mm. has like, I think you can read a gimmick into the sort of like blinking of the webcam thing, but really it's about like sort of the function of memory and how it, how it operates and memori and like historical memory is a sort of a composite function of our, the sort of like, uh, part objects of our own personal memories, um, and we have personal memory in historical memory. Like we remember history personally, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So we have, like, that game to me was like a radical experiment in the and statement in the fragility of memory, and how despite and how when when you examine it from a, a personal perspective, you 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 give rise to this incredible human experience of at this, yes, memory, memory can function in the, like we like to, we love to talk about trauma nowadays, but there are also happy memories that have their own sort of either melancholy or really tragic function. Something that in particular times of struggle that we're trying to cling to all the time and that fall Mm -hmm. through our hands and that become fainter as we move through time, something that's insurpassable and that we can't resist. Um, All of this unknowability creates this sort of like, you know, paths of light that are reflected in memory and that I think offer a useful way for understanding how people experience history and not history just as this sort of like um, epistemological category, but rather as something that is made in something that is active in living in the way that we sort of live our lives um so make just easy easy make a video game about that you know everything i just said just make that
1: that should take what six months dunky will pay for it fucking sign up to uh, a Donkey. i know you're listening make (laughs) make that into a video game bro just do it (laughs) we we literally just fucking gave you all the tools you need go go for it. that's right that's right (laughs) tens of people will play that game Tens of them. There are, there are dozens of us. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I think that's really well put. And it kind of highlights, I guess, what can be sort of absent in these games. And I don't think that these games would, uh, you know, I don't think Paradox would even claim that these games are more than they are. Um, I just think that they, I guess, are sort of revealing of a, a strain of attitude towards history that's kind of always been around. Um, and in possibly what its new form will be like. Yeah, a challenge to popular attitudes in, fo- in
0: game form, I think is really what it is. The, what they're doing, they're doing what they
1: do well. Like Yeah, yeah. I think that the sort of grand strategy approach to managing civilizations also lends itself to a specific type of, I guess, authoritarianism. That I always find kind of funny. Like, I guess it's so in depth in certain ways, but also obviously the lives of like the people in these places is absolutely irrelevant for the most part to um, the mechanics of these things. Like, it's very much I'm only operating on the highest, you know, state to state level, and any particularity below that is just not my problem. Which has always been something I think divides it from a lot of other city builder slash um, strategy games or things like civilization and stuff where they they will have a very shallow mechanic like happiness Um, (laughs) yeah but it I feel like it's more in your face in Civ than um, I can't even remember which like thinking about like Victoria and Europa um, I know they have like some sort of a public order mechanic all these games mechanics kind of flow together for me but i i i never found it was nearly as like a constant pressing issue as happiness in civ and even that is just like are they happy is it, are they thumb up or thumb down um <laughs> and are like i'm not passing like or are they neutral <laughs> or do they have red frowny face you're fucked if so <laughs> um I'm not making like a moral judgment on these games Mm -hmm. I don't you know engage with art that way some people do and they're fucking freaks Uh, it's just interesting that this whole sort of game I guess has that kind of view on civilizations (laughs) and I think there's a type of Reddit man who thinks they're very (laughs) smart and they try to view like real world politics through that lens and they always come to the worst possible conclusions and I know they're playing Paradox games I know they're doing it (laughs) Oh, for sure. And it's
0: like it's like choose okay, choose your choose your fighter. On the one hand, you have the um adherence to a negative perception of disciplinary power that has to uh sort of enforce you know vi- violently if necessary um and impose its will on the governed. And then on the other hand, you have the um, uh, governmentality, um, sort of contrast the contrasting positivity of governmentality, where the government itself is necessitated by the joyful, willing participation of the governed, which is just like that's that's it's people, people. This is why it's it's necessary to talk about that kind of a guy because. Everyone is anxious. Everyone feels powerless and unable to articulate like their lack of power. And so we try and find something to make ourselves feel better. On the one hand, you have (laughs) you can play you can play video games and you can use it to sort of supplant the anxiety of an inability to impose your will upon the world. Or you can, you know, go participate in public flash mobs or, you know, you know, being a like being a docu- documentary about girl power with Hillary Clinton and like oh, constant my God. or constant. I had constant, forgotten
1: about that. Ah. Constant.
0: <laughs> i I watched the first two episodes. Um, what constant, constantly perform? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm that brain poisoned. Of course, I we, watched the first two episodes. We have to. We
1: oh, we have to talk about that.
0: Yeah, I probably <laughs> should have brought that up. I forgot.
1: You should have opened with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I watched it. It, it you know, passed through me like a beverage you're supposed to drink before a colonoscopy or something.
1: Oh, my God. Like it just it was there's simple. There's simply not time on this one. Listen, <laughs> no. listeners, next episode, we're spending the first half <laughs> talking about that shit. We'll talk is about the, Gutsy. D- does the ContraPoints show up yet? Uh, yes, I did see
0: the ContraPoints part is she was in the second episode. Um, oh, I believe that one was particularly boring and bland. The first episode was funny, completely in the novelty from watching Hillary and Chelsea Clinton actually interact, try and interact with each other for an
1: extended period of time, which they are not good at. Oh my God. Um, I've never seen that occur. I didn't think
0: they were They don't allowed. Know, they don't. <laughs> they don't know each other. They don't. We know. We know that they don't know each other. It's yeah. just, they... They barely talk to each other, and it's that's part. That part is is very funny. (laughs) It's very awkward. They don't know how to talk to people, and it's great. Hillary just does that that weird smile and nod that she did all the time on the campaign. She just does that the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think she thinks that like that. No one knows what she's doing when she does that. Like that, that works, and people will be like, "Yeah, see, she's engaged." Uh, I'm
0: endearing myself. To the public.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to talk about that next episode for sure. I love Um, Megan the stallion. (laughs) Wet ass pussy. She's always saying that, you know? (laughs) Hillary (laughs)
0: can't stop listening to WAP. It's become a problem. It's become a problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. To just gaze into pure (laughs) Unfiltered evil for a little while And just be blasted with The true darkness That's what I'm here for That's really what life's all about That's right Uh, What else can we say about Paradox Games Let's try not to Get too off the rails on this one We'll save that for next time Um, Why do they keep Making these (laughs) (laughs) Because people keep buying them yeah, their DLC policy is so fucking whack um, it, these games cry out to be pirated because um, you can't just buy them, there's tons of stuff and I think Europa 4 might have the most, I don't remember for sure, but it's crazy the the amount of shit and a lot of it is like, the game really needs this to not suck at <laughs> Paradox <laughs> games are never good on release you gotta wait till you know, a good dozen DLCs are out yeah, it does kind of feel like you're, you know, buying the PC without the mouse and the keyboard a little bit. Yeah, that's why <laughs> even though I am kind of hype about Victoria Three, I'm gonna give it quite a long time to come out and then be fixed with multiple DLCs, and then I'll play it.
0: <laughs> that's my strategy. That is, yeah, my, man. My strategy is to wait until it's cheap or until it's fixed.
1: The um. Have you ever played it's uh, sort of a Civ clone called Old World? No, I have not. That's quite an interesting one because, all right, so I don't really like the Civilization games that much. Uh, I like the first third, but I think once you start getting into like modern and like sci fi shit, it kind of goes mm-hmm. off the rails. Uh, so the premise of Old World is it just stays in the ancient era. The whole tech tree goes like. I don't remember for sure, but it goes from, like, uh, you know, primitive warriors to, like, swordsmen. Mm. And that's it. You know, you're not fucking getting planes and mechs and shit by the end. Um, So it's all, like, um, you know, ancient civilizations that were on the Mediterranean. And I think they've instead gone, instead of trying to cast a really broad net like Civ, they go quite deep, um, which I really like and they use i would say a simplified version of like the crusader kings like family system you've got relations with uh you know your queen you got your heirs and stuff and you got to worry about all that other people are coming and you know sending marriage offers and i think that strikes a good balance uh whereas i think maybe crusader kings you can get a bit insane with it um And I think that's maybe the niche these games fill is I feel like every one of them has a couple really specific things you can just go way too in-depth with. And I don't know. I like that. I I do, uh, even though in general, I think these, I I don't know. I don't know what I think about a lot of these games. I got a lot of negative feelings, but also I do play them. But I I do like that. uh, They just let you be kind of fucking weird in this really specific way the 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 way the other ones do it is less uh less incest oriented though uh <laughs> which is good Kyle but um <laughs> excuse
0: me <laughs> listener do not get the wrong idea this is uh this is uh... a <laughs> <laughs> this is the, our podcast does not need to go into uh, the incest taboo necessarily. Um I do like the idea of these games being sillier. I think that's one thing that a lot of them could handle. It would feel
1: f- funny enough more historically accurate if it were sillier to me. Yeah, and I th- I think a lot of there's some diehard players who treat it like it is like serious history and I think that's yeah. the problem. You need to let go of those guys. And get a bit sillier with it. Because it's fucking not. It's historical fiction. And even then, a lot of the time, the historical is being generous. Just get sillier. Put some of the mechanics from Stellaris into <laughs> the new Victoria. <laughs> who gives a fuck?
0: Yeah, it doesn't exactly.
1: matter. Come on. <laughs> Put alien. Do an alien mod. I want to. Um. Uh, oh, I forget what they're called. The rock people who don't need to eat. Put them in. <laughs> Put trombone champ. Into uh,
0: the Trump put the trombone champ mechanics into
1: uh, uh, um, EU four. That's right. I feel like we're in a very silly mood this time. I'm not sure if we said <laughs> very many substantial, <laughs> things. useful things. <laughs> no, there was some. Good, there was some, there was
0: some good stuff in there. No, there was. And then and then all the rest was. It's, I said it's Rift City. When you come <laughs> to Rift City.
1: <coughs> you have to prepare. Prepare yourself for the truth. You know you got to make sure you bring a change of clothes, <laughs> sunscreen, <laughs>
0: a snack. Maybe you, you
1: go bring a snack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I need you to sign my permission slip for my field trip to Rift City.
1: My <laughs> backpack. <laughs> I'm a cha- I'm the chaperone on the on the field trip to Rift city for sure that's right <laughs> um, do you have any closing thoughts on the paradox interactive catalog and these types of grand strategy games overall
0: just that uh, uh, my closing thought is that I can't I can't get good at trombone champ mm-hmm. Um... And I'm normally naturally good at rhythm games, not to toot my own horn. I just, I worked at an arcade and had a lot of practice with rhythm games and I play music. So I always take up rhythm games really quickly, but I've been playing trombone champ and it's like dark souls, um, but worse. Um, and that, that's my closing thoughts on paradox games. Is that someone help me get better at trombone champ? I turned up my mouse sensitivity. That if you're playing trombone champ, that's one thing you should do is turn up your sensitivity and get used to that. It makes it easier.
1: Yeah, you need that high DPI. <laughs> um, you want to get uh, uh like one of those MMO mouses that have like uh the number one through twelve thumb buttons. Uh, you're gonna yeah. need that. It's yeah, so for important. when you're when you're playing an old gray mare. Get. Yeah. You're gonna need a nine hundred dollar gaming chair, also, or else you have literally no hope. <laughs> it- <laughs>
0: yeah, you need good posture as
1: a musician. I know that. So you gotta sit on the edge of your chair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you need an anime titty mouse pad. <laughs> That's real. Buy it right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you need. You need. You need that. Go. Get- <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs> Very our, 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 our send answered. this episode to your professor. <laughs> S- send it in, <laughs> um, and then also ask your professor if if he can help us. <laughs> where can they find you? Where can where can the people, where can the the dogs, the cretins, and the creeps find you, Kyle?
0: Uh, labor Kyle on Twitter and uh you can find me at that handle some videos on youtube as well as on uh the youtube channel for zero books where i should be i should have a couple of interviews up by the time some new stuff by the time this goes up i've got like there's a new episode of profane illuminations that's already on there there's an interview that we're doing tomorrow with about a book Um, called Imagine a Scope for Organizers. That's this really interesting take on storytelling and building power. Um, uh, And you can watch my interview with Simon Reynolds and watch me be very nervous because I'm talking to Simon Reynolds. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Kay?
1: Oh, man, you can find me on the YouTubes at Kay and Skittles. Uh, When this goes up, I'll have a video out about neoliberalism. and What? I know, and specifically about what many of its critics get wrong about it. So, oh buddy, you just got clickbaited, little little fuck. Get in there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch. you got clickbaited. Uh, ba boom, I You're baited. had to do it to him. You know how it is on these streets. Uh, my closing message is. You might have to do it a lot of times, but if you keep playing Hearts of Iron and making it so the Soviet Union wins, if you keep doing it, it'll make it real. If you keep doing it, if you stop going outside, if you don't talk to anyone, if you don't look at what's happening in the world, you just keep doing it in the game, you will make it real. You're going to bring it back. You're going to stop the hell that everything has become. It's going to be great. You can do it. are bastards Ah oh, oh, ravioli Ah oh, mamma mia Night night Ah oh,
0: spaghetti
1: Ah oh,
0: ravioli Ah oh, mamma mia